Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Morning, everybody. Hello. How are you? Hey, thanks for being here. My name's Ryan, if we haven't met before. Also, anybody who's joining us online, nice to see you, or uh, maybe I'll be able to look at your profile later. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, at this time, usually we take an offering together, so we're gonna do that, and we're gonna pray, uh, but before we have our ushers come down and do that, the offering um, isn't just money. So one of the things that God calls us to do is to give financially, that we're supposed to you know, partner with the, the kingdom of God. We're supposed to give back a portion of what God has given to us for the work of the kingdom, uh, to be able to reach people for Christ, but also the offering that God might be calling you to is to serve with your life. It might be to, um, to give something up so that you can start giving. Uh, the offering might be to, um, you know, the, the Bible says that offerings are something that go up into the heavens and that they are pleasing to God's nostrils. That they come up and he, he loves, it's a pleasing aroma to him. Offerings aren't just money. And so uh, we're going to pass these along. And we certainly do want your money. You know why? Because we do work for the kingdom of God with it. Um, and I don't have to have arguments with people about us being unwise with our spending. And I love that. And we're going to keep doing it. So God, thank you for what you've given us. We thank you for the ways that you've blessed us in this room. Uh, the things that you've given to us. If anybody's in this room and they, they don't believe that you've given them anything, that everything they have, you have uh, that they've worked for, I just pray that you would just show them now that anything good comes from you. That anything good comes from you. And if so, so if they have a skill to make money, that they would know that you gave them that skill. That if they have family who has helped taking care of them, that they would know that you gave them that family. And so we just uh, pray that you would line us up uh, pray that you would help us to bring an offering that's pleasing to you, a pleasing aroma. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so some of you, if maybe you've been feeling like, I got to do something, I want to get involved, I want to give back in the community in some way, I want to make a difference, well, guess what? You can do that if you would like to, if you want to serve as a volunteer here. We have a lot of different roles available. Um, what's that? They're all fun. Actually, they're not. There's a couple of them that are terrible. <laughs> but we'll only tell you about the fun ones. Um, and so if you want to fill out a piece of paper, there's some scrap paper. You, you could just write, looking to volunteer, and uh, give your information, your name and phone number, or an email, and we'll get in contact with you about serving somewhere. Because we need some help in some different places. All right. Thanks for passing those out. Thank you guys for, man, thank you guys for 
being the church and making a difference in people's lives. I love it. Hey, today we're going to talk about identity and uh, how we can become powerful people. This is interesting. You guys are all dark out there and I'm, I can't see. Hello. I think. All right. Thanks for still being here. I don't know if you all left. We're going to talk about identity today and how to become how to become powerful people, actually. And, and that might sound funny, but um, I'm a powerful person. Um, I'm, a, I'm a very powerful person um, because I know a lot about my identity. And I know about certain pieces of my identity that are not great also, things that need work. But I am a powerful person. I want to jump into Genesis chapter 3. It says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So this is Genesis chapter 3. This is kind of where everything goes wrong. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, this was the Garden of Eden. This is where God had created perfection in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And things were good. They were good. They were good. They were good. They were good. And God made light and it was good. And he made uh, the expanse of the sky and it was good. And he made the land and it was good. And he made all the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And it was good. Good, good, good. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Genesis chapter 3, it's all ruined. Like we only had two good chapters at the very beginning. And they weren't very long. Genesis 3 is where everything kind of goes wrong. And things go wrong when this serpent shows up. This serpent is... Uh, this serpent is known to be Satan, to be the devil. And it says, one way you can tell that is because this snake talks. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and then you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so the serpent comes in and immediately uh, changes the way that Adam and Eve perceive God's identity. The perception of God's identity has been changed all of a sudden by this serpent. That in the beginning, God's identity was truth. It was truth that everything, we were created by this guy. We're the only two people that are here. Everything is perfect. Um, everything that he said, we're, he's feeding us information. He's the, the giver of life. I mean, you have to imagine Adam and Eve. I'm assuming they didn't have belly buttons, right? They're created, and they are following God's lead on everything. And so everything he's got, he is truth. He is truth. He is dad. He is the one who made us. He is everything. He's truth. But now the serpent comes in, and all of a sudden, well, maybe he's a liar. Well, maybe he's been lying to us the whole time. 
The world often tries to replace your identity with something else just like the serpent in the garden did. And this real, this, this power that I'm talking about, it comes from knowing your true identity, from knowing who you really are, who God made you to be. When we pray, um, whenever we pray, I don't know if all of you grew up in church or not, but of course you've heard that every, pretty much every prayer ends in what? In Jesus' name, amen. If you don't say that, does the prayer count? Well, I don't know. We pray and we always end it in, I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Why do we do that? In John chapter 14, it says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. A lot of us just think it's like tacking in Jesus' name onto the end of every prayer, but that isn't what he said to do. He said to pray according to his name, because praying according to a name um, is... it. It has an identity attached to it all of a sudden. It has an identity attached to it. And so to know someone's name is to know their identity, or at least to know a big piece of their identity. God uh, is asked in the Old Testament what his name is when people want to know what he is. When people want to know what he is and how he is, they say, what's your name? That's a way that they can ask who he is, what his identity is, what he is, how he is. Names are important. Names are important. Our name is our core identity. So right away, your, your first identity that you get, so maybe your first identity could be like, I'm, uh, you know, I was a boy, I weighed this much, this that could be, but... Your big identity is your name. A lot of you have names that came from your father or your mother, or you have a middle name that is a relative or something, right? And they carry weight to them. They carry, they carry identity. Some of you have nicknames that are, have become more important to your identity than your name name, right? So my wife's nickname is the crime dog. Because for whatever reason, my wife has this thing where she has to solve every possible case, even when I don't think it is a case. <laughs> like, did, did you guys feed the dogs today? Yeah, we did. Well, what time did you feed them? I'm like, uh, I asked the kids to feed them earlier. She's like, well, it when I left, there were seven containers of dog food and there still are she's a crime dog she will solve it <laughs> that's her nickname but her name Allison her name means truthful and so it's interesting that her name means truthful that her nickname is crime dog that and the truth is the most important thing in the world to my wife My name, Ryan, means kingly. Kingly. And I had an issue with that for a while because I was like, it sounds kind of like, I don't want to tell people that it means kingly. It sounds, it sounds like it's arrogant or something. 
And I love that Jesus reminded me, yeah, but I'm the king of kings. And so how, however kingly you are, I'm the king of kings. Johnny Cash, he wrote a song called, about a boy named Sue, right? Because he wanted to give him an identity that was going to do something. And it was going to turn him into a tough, tough kid because dad wasn't going to be around. Abram, in scripture, his name meant a great nation. Uh, God changes his name to Abraham later, which means a multitude of nations. So you, you are a great nation, and then he gives him, Abram, you're going to get an extra ham. <laughs> and that means a multitude of nations. Jacob is renamed Israel, which means wrestles with God. And it's an identity piece. It, his name has to change because his identity has changed. And so that's when God comes in and gives somebody a name change. Um, we have nicknames at our house. I, I'm a, I don't know. I can't help myself but to give nicknames to people over time. And so we have nicknames for all of our kids. Um, my oldest daughter, Ava, she started as Shrimp Sauce. I don't know where that came from. Uh, she was that for a while. And then that changed into Ava Beans. And I have no idea why, but it just... I mean, everybody in the world calls her that. <laughs> everybody in the world does. My son Finley, his nickname is Finny Bins. It doesn't mean anything, but for some reason, it has given him power. <laughs> and we have all kinds of stories about him doing different things, and if he was doing something dangerous, or if he was like psyched up about something. Have you ever been hopped up about something as a kid, and you just, you're like, ah! He would say, oh, I'm the Finney Bins, all right. <laughs> and it was like his thing, like, doing awesome stuff is because I'm the Finney Bins, all right. It's an identity piece. My daughter, Claire, her nickname is Claire Bina Philomena. I don't know why. Claire Bina Philomena, she tells every one of her friends she loves she loves what it, it, it brings something to her that I can't quite my, put my finger on. But it's an identity piece. In John chapter 1, verse 42, it says, He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Jesus gives him a nickname or a new name based on his physical appearance. Cephas or Peter means rock. That you are a rock. Like, and that could sound like, oh, man, he thinks I'm an idiot. But no, he was, he was talking about, Jesus was talking about Peter's physically imposing stature and then also connecting it to the fact that he was spiritually imposing as a person, that he was going to be the rock on which Christ's church would be built. You are the rock. Jesus loved nicknames. Uh, he called James and John, whose dad was a uh, great fisherman, uh, sons of thunder. That James and John were the sons of thunder because those two were just driven. They were on fire. They were on fire. They were gung-ho. They were super energetic. They were bringing... It was just a piece of their identity. So you guys are the sons of thunder. 
the Bible also calls one of them James the Less. James the Less. Not because he was less important, but because he was short. <laughs> You've been given a name. Your name helps you to probably to either be brave or to be timid, right? Which I don't, I don't know why that makes sense. I just know that certain people have certain names that, that carry a certain something to them. That uh, I think about a lot of MMA fighters, a lot of professional sports players, a lot of extreme sports players, motorcycle riders, race car drivers, and the names that they have. And it usually isn't Stuart for some reason. No offense to Stuarts. You could be a super tough Stuart. I'd love to meet you. You've been given a name, and it could be a name that brings bravery or timidness. Uh, your identity, here's one of them that is a note. If you're a note taker, your identity drives your productivity. Your identity drives your productivity. And so if you're a person who is struggling with motivation, uh, I've been struggling with motivation and trying to just get up and do something. And the thing that I've been leaning into is my identity of who I am. Who am I? Who am I and so what do I do? What do I do with who I am kind of thing? And it's caused me to get up off the couch. A false identity is something that all of us struggle with. They're identities that have been given to us by other people or maybe your parents a lot of times. Maybe you were called uh, the, the biggest one. I'm, I'm, I apologize uh, ahead of time. The biggest one is dumbass. Um, that is the biggest one that people carry with them. Uh, it's the most common one. So that might be somewhere in your identity, that you were called that by your dad or a teacher or something like that, and that just stuck. One of the, identi the false identities that I have is space cadet, uh, just because I have trouble focusing, because I, I, don't, I am terrible with directions, um, just all sorts of different things. Another issue that I have a lot of times is that when, I, when I've written down things in the past about what is a, what, what's a piece of my identity that I've created myself that I hate? It's uh, busy, being busy. That people all the time will say, I know you're busy, you have a lot going on. And that's because I've put, I have created some kind of an identity that says I'm busy and that I don't have time and that, um, that people aren't important or something like that. And it's just, I don't, I don't want that at all. There's a book called Cities and Identities that talks about different cities across America. And it even has uh, some other countries as well, some of the large cities um, in, in other areas. But it talks about identities that are associated with these areas. And it says, great cities attract ambitious people. You can sense it when you walk around one. In a hundred subtle ways, the city sends you a message. You could do more, or you should try harder. 
The surprising thing is how different these messages can be. New York tells you, above all, you should make more money. There are other messages too, of course. You should be hipper. You should be better looking. But the clearest message is that you should be richer. That you should be richer. It's an identity that New York carries. Los Angeles carries the identity, be famous. Be famous. Washington, D.C. carries the identity that you need to know important people. Oxford, you need to be smarter. Silicon Valley, you need to impact the world through technology. Denver, you should do whatever you want, man. <laughs> you know what? We hate Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Pittsburgh's known for hard work. That's their identity. Hard work. Hard work, and it's true, but we do hate the Steelers. <laughs> Cincinnati, Cincinnati, identity, traditional and conservative. That's what our identity is, which is interesting because actually we have a lot more going on than that, but we are a, a more traditional um, city overall, more conservative overall. Um, some aspects of that are really, really good, and some of them are, are not good. Um, I think, though, the thing that sticks out to me when I think about traditional and uh, that being a part of our identity is I think a lot of it points to us being safe, that we're kind of a safe city. Um, we don't take a lot of risks type thing. We, we just kind of go with what our parents did or what most of the people around us have done. But... The thing I'm stuck with is that safe is not the identity of God. Safe is not the identity of God. If any of you have read the, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia series or any of those or watched the movies, uh, Aslan the lion in the, the Narnia series is um, he's a picture of Jesus. He's like an allegory of Jesus. And one of the, the lines in the, in the book that I love so much about Aslan is they say he isn't safe, but he's good. He isn't safe, but he's good. And so this is about Jesus as well, that he isn't safe, but he's good. He isn't safe, but he's good. When we started this church, however many years ago now at this point, um, a lot of people told us that a vineyard on the west side of Cincinnati could not work. That it could not work because it was the Catholic territory, and that any church that has tried to start that wasn't Catholic on the west side, um, there were all sorts of studies about it done. They all failed. They just all had failed. And there were other churches that started at similar times as us. We launched Vineyard Westside. We said, we're going to do it, and we're going to see what God does. And all kinds of other churches around us started springing up, and they're all gone. And I, I don't brag about that, um, but I know that God was doing something. I know God was doing something in this place, in a place that they said it wasn't going to work, and daggone it, we're here. Now when Jesus, it says Matthew, in Matthew chapter 16, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say 
John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What starts out as a physical thing, you know, the appearance of Peter, that he was imposing, what starts out as a physical thing turns into a spiritual thing and says, you are the rock on which my church will be built, that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The interesting thing to me is that in this story, uh, Simon, and after this story, Simon, who had his name changed to Peter, is still sometimes called Simon after this event. He's still sometimes called Simon. And so did you have your name changed or not? It would be nice to say that once God gives you a new name, that that old name or that old identity isn't relevant anymore. Uh, But it is relevant. It is relevant. And we have to fight against it. Some of you have old identities that you are fighting against every day, right? Old identities that you're fighting against every day. You wish that it would just be over. That's who I used to be. But it's something you've got to keep fighting against that old identity. Your actual name might be something that's, maybe it's funny or it's inaccurate. Uh, Maybe it isn't your identity that you see before God. And the thing that I would actually challenge you to do is to seek an identity from God. God, what what would you call me? And so you would pray and you'd say, God, what, what would you call me? What would you call me, Lord? What would you call me? If it's something negative, it's not God. Because he speaks life into people. Um, he speaks, that his, his tone of voice is always encouraging. It's always uh, life-giving. It's always blessing. It's always favor-inducing. If it's anything that's negative that you hear, it's not from him. Mark chapter 14 says, And he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so this is one of those instances where Jesus uh, kind of flips back and he gives him kind of a little stinger. And he said, he doesn't call him Peter this time because he's asleep on the job. He says, Simon. There's still a little bit of Simon in you, Peter. A lot of us still have a little bit of Simon in us, don't we? We still have a little. And Jesus would come around and say, well, I can't call you by that, that new name. You're acting like that old one. Luke chapter 22, Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, all right, now you're awake, now you're talking the talk, now you're... 
Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. See, Peter, there's still a little bit of Simon in you, but I do call you rock. I do call you rock. Our identity begins with a name. Sometimes the name gets changed. Sometimes we can lose it when we're acting like an old fool. The last, oh no, almost last one. Note taker, the world's identity leads to passivity. The world's identity leads to passivity. I'm going to skip that because it's not good. I don't know why I wrote that. <laughs> oh, here, this part's good. A lot of us. It's the reason why um, th this whole thing that we're talking about, though, with the identity piece, it's the reason why so many of us love the uh, personality tests and everything online on Facebook. What Disney character are you? What's your spirit animal? Which actually, I don't care. Those are, go for it. Um, like, are you a Labrador or a bear or a tiger? Or even like the Myers-Briggs personality test, the Enneagram personality, like things like this. We, we love them. We love these tests because um, we want someone to tell us who we are. Because we want somebody to tell us who we are. And so now I see all the time people are like, I'm more of a Hufflepuff. Like, that's the identity, though, that they've grabbed to. The last one is that your identity will lead to bravery. Your identity will lead to bravery. Um, Albert Einstein said, a ship is always safe at shore but that's not what it was built for. The ship is always safe at shore, but that's not what it was built for. Luke chapter 8 says, She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. If you're not familiar with this story, a woman was bleeding for years and years and years, and it never would stop. And so you can imagine how horrible this existence would be. Uh, she heard that Jesus was going to be in a certain area that he would be passing through. And she makes a decision that she is going to go and see if she can speak with him, see if she can find him, see if she can get some kind of help. So it says, she came up behind him, touched the fringe of his garment. Immediately, the discharge of blood ceased. Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all of them denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. In biblical times, you would have your family crest in the hem of hem of your garment, um, you could take that and press it. They, they would take this little, you know, they had lots of little dangly doodads. Some of them were called tzitzi, and people would grab a hold of those for prayer reasons and things. And uh, also they would have a, a lot of times they would have this little 
it, it was a seal connected to them that for any letter writing, you would put the, the candle wax down and then you would take that little seal and you would put it on there for your letters. This was attached to your garment. And uh, this woman comes along and she is, um, so, so this little piece that has the stamp in it that you put in the wax, it's your family crest. It's, it's, it's you, it's your family, it's your identity as who you are, that this is Jesus of Nazareth, uh, son of Joseph and Mary, that this is, this is him. And this woman comes along, and what she does is she comes up behind him, and she grabs that. She grabs that little piece, and it says that she's healed right away. And Jesus says, no, this woman came, and she tapped into my identity, and that is, this is the source of her bravery now, the, the, that she came up and grabbed this. She knew exactly what she was doing. She knew that uh, she was reaching out to possibly touch this identity piece of Jesus Christ the savior of the world. It's not random chance though. I had an identity growing up for the longest time of uh, abandoned or orphaned, even though I wasn't orphaned or abandoned really. Um, but lots of people in my life left and lots of people who were supposed to take care of me didn't take care of me. And so for a long time I walked around with this abandoned or orphaned identity that if it is to be it's up to me kind of thing that I got to do all of it nobody's going to help me ever right it took a long time to break that it took a long time to let people in it took a long time to recognize that uh, just me doing all of it stinks With that identity before, though, it's the thing that God does. Sometimes he gives you door prizes. He gave me a gift of wisdom and discernment because of the other troubles that I had where people would all the time say, how old are you? Because I would uh, be a, a boss or manager of some kind at whatever job I was at. And people would say, how old are you? Because I was a little kid. But he gave me an identity of wisdom and discernment and to be a leader. God gives door prizes to any of you who are harmed in some way. Like if any of you have been harmed in any way, he has given you something uh, to help with that or to, um, to thrive in a different way. I've never seen him not do that. If we talk about it enough, we'll find it. So here's what I want to do to close up. It's 11.07. If you're willing to, if you're willing to, uh, there are pieces of paper in the back of your seats there. Some of them say doodles or notes on them. There's other things too. You might have paper with you, but I would challenge you to write down an identity. To write down an identity. If you received an identity from the world that you don't like, or that you've just always had and you just assume is there. Uh, an identity like loser, an identity like best friend, or uh, always a bridesmaid, never a bride kind of thing. That's, that is one. Always single, forever alone. 
That's an identity. Screw up, identity. Alone, identity. Funny guy, identity. Afraid, identity. Always disappointed, an identity. Unwanted, unloved. Ugly. And that you would write those down. Um, I have, I have one. Uh, I wrote down my space cadet one here. Does anybody have a lighter I could borrow? Mm-hmm. Thank you. So what I want you to do is to write it down on that and take it home and do this. We ain't got no sprinklers. (laughs) Beep, beep, beep. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you are the giver of new identities, you're the giver of nicknames, you're the giver of um, name changes, that identity is a big, big, big deal to you. We pray in your name because it's the identity that makes prayer reach God himself. It's the, the name that gets us in the door, and so when we're asking God for something, he doesn't look back and say, that screw up? Now, Jesus, you paid for the screw-ups on the cross. And so we pray to you, and you go before God on our behalf. We pray in your name. We have the identity of you in front of us. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. For any of us in this room, Lord, that have negative identities, an identity that says crazy, an identity that says uh, weak, an identity that says stupid, an identity that says unhirable, an identity that says fatherless or motherless, an identity that says orphan, an identity that says shameful. Lord, that you would erase those things and you would give us a new identity, that you would speak the truth over us. I just pray that you would bring uh, a new understanding to people sitting here today, that they would be given a purpose and an identity so that they would be given motivation to jump up and step into who you made them to be. We just say, come Holy Spirit. Let us burn those papers and that you would replace them with permanent fixtures of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I will see you all soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.